We are pleased to welcome Newsmax host and owner of KWAM News Radio Memphis, Todd Starnes. Todd, Gary, and I tackle the cause and effects of the absolutely out-of-control crime in the city of Memphis and how, if not contained, threatens the security of everyone across the state of Tennessee. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, well, I know it's Memphis, but I'm trying to remember the the, the line. Um, gosh, what's the what's the word? Walking in Walking Memphis. Walking in Memphis. Yeah, no, I was, I was like, I know it's not flying in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> so, who's the artist? Ooh, is that Michael McDonald? Nope. Ooh, that sounds like him. Mark Cohn. Mark Cohn? I would not have yeah. guessed that. So Mark Cohn had a he got a Grammy on this record. I think it was Best New Such Artist. Such a great song. Yeah, the whole album is one of my favorites. Do you know to Gary what kind of um Mark Cohn still When was this released? 1991. And it won Grammy, it won the Grammy award that it won one or two in um, February of 92. I was a third-year law student and I, I later became, um, because of my involvement in the music industry, I became friends with, became friends with Mark Cohn's manager at the time. And he told us a sad story. Uh, Mark's life kind of took a, da- a, a dive. He got stage fright. So here you have this guy as a Grammy nominated, Grammy award winning wow. recording artist. And I, I remember asking his manager, I said, what happened to Mark Cohn? I loved him. I love that record. He said, yeah, he got stage fright. Then he had all sorts of issues that led to divorce and family breaking up, and so he's kind of it kind of tiptoed back into the industry, but not not at the level he was. So one of my favorite artists, and our audience should know the reason that I chose "Walking in Memphis." You know, of course, because our <laughs> guest today, we're pleased to welcome in the studio Newsmax host and owner of KWAM News Radio Memphis, Todd Starnes, also of the Todd Starnes Show. And Gary, I'll let you give him the formal introduction, but we're going to talk about everything that's like the city of Memphis is on fire, isn't it? Is, it? it is. And Todd, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. And and people are not walking in Memphis anymore. They're running, uh, mostly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and running out, right? <laughs> it's terrible. But uh, hello and welcome. Yeah, we're, we're honored to hang out with you from the west side of the uh, state. Well, Todd, it's been a pleasure for me personally uh, to be on on your station out there in Memphis several times. And, uh, you know, I'll just say for the record, I, I think I think the news you put out and the, the way your station addresses um, not only national issues, but issues happening here within our state from from one of the most conservative perspectives, I think, in the state, because I know at least the shows that I've that I've been on and listened to, and I know you personally, um, you guys are willing to say things that a lot of the other, you know, quote unquote conservative radio stations aren't because they don't want to risk losing their influence, they don't want to offend, you know, yada yada yada. And um, which you know we have an issue. Yeah, we're we're a Republican supermajority state here in Tennessee, which is great. I think that brings. Um, you know, some good things our way. However, it also brings a good bit of challenges. And, you know, paying attention to the legislature here in the state, as I do, we know that oftentimes we have very conservative measures 
that tend to fail even in a supermajority state. All that to say, I'm thankful for your station and uh, you guys actually sticking to conservative uh, talk out there in Memphis. So thank you for that. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. And, and we love having you on on the programs. And, you know, when you know Fox and I, we were in the throes of, of the contract negotiations and those went south. And um, after 15 years of living in New York City and working at Fox News Channel, uh, it was time to come back to, to Memphis and uh, ended up buying KWAM, which um, had been a, you know, a pay for play station. So it was not conservative. And um, I decided to turn the station into a conservative blowtorch for the Mid-South. And um, you're right. You know, we're we're a locally owned station. So we're able to say a lot of things that the corporate giants, you know, and their syndicated programs are not able to say. And, uh, you know, we're proud to have a, a locally owned, locally run station. Yeah. And we're not afraid to get in there and dust it up. That's one of my favorite new phrases now, conservative blowtorch. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you mind if I, I might borrow that, Todd, if it's okay? I'll give you credit, though, when I say but, it. Uh, but I will say this. You know, one of the first people that we apparently triggered when I moved back home was the governor, uh, Governor Bill Lee. He was on the show all of one time, and that was it. So we are. I, we rem are <clears throat> I remember that interview. I was so, I'm like, yes, Todd. Yes, Todd. And you could tell that you're making the governor very uncomfortable with your straightforward, honest questions, the questions that I would want to ask him we, if I were in the room. We actually clipped that portion of the interview, and we put that out on Tennessee stands and yeah. get, gave you a couple of attaboys there. That was awesome. Hey, Todd, <laughs> really quickly, yeah. before we get into the subject of Memphis, I don't know if you remember me, but I, I had one or two interviews with you back in your Fox days uh, in 2013 when I was facing the IRS and going through all of that challenge. I was Lynchpins of Liberty was the lead organization represented by Jay Seculo, ACLJ. And yes. um, I remember you gave us very favorable coverage, and we do appreciate that. So I thank you very much. You know, well, look, uh, we we really do want to stand up for conservatives, and we're willing to you know fight. You know, they've called me every name in the book, fellas, and still standing and still going strong. And and we need more of that. And I think as it's interesting as the attacks ratchet up, we've seen so many of these conservative platforms fold, and that's one of the reasons I really respect you guys at Tennessee Stand. You you stand. And that's really what we need. And we need to, you know, we can be winsome about it, but we have to be rock solid in our in our foundational beliefs. And that's one of the, Gary, that's one of the reasons I really appreciate the great work you guys are doing, you know, here in, in the entire state of Tennessee. And even though it's a super majority, not everybody is a conservative on the uh, conservative side of the uh, aisle, if you will. You got that right. So one of the things that the reason, the main reason I wanted to bring you on today, I, of course, I follow you on Twitter and you, you, have been very vocal you you have a national platform but clearly i mean you are you own a radio station in memphis uh you live in shelby county this is home and so you've you've really taken the the lead here on i think putting out a lot of media and video clips and um sort of some statistical comparisons on what's happening in memphis in terms of crime in fact i'm, I'm looking at something you put out yesterday and it's it's really incredible to read uh, you say New York City has a population of 8.4 million people. So far this year, there have been 298 murders in New York City. Memphis has a population of 628,000 people. So that's roughly just over 7% of, of the population. 
population of New York City. Yet, so far this year, 334 murders in Memphis. So seven, just over 7% of the population of New York City, but but about 110% of the murders. That That is an incredible statistic. And I don't... I don't know that most people, I mean, people have an opinion of, of Memphis, but I don't think most Tennesseans really understand what's happening on the ground. It, it is a tragedy. Um, and I'll give you another statistic. Uh, al- nearly 11,000 cars have been stolen in New York City so far this year. More than 13,000 cars have been stolen here in Memphis uh, this year alone. I mean, it's the, the level of of crime is so out of whack. People are are literally afraid to leave their homes and, and get out and enjoy the city. And we've actually seen some businesses announce that they're packing up and they're moving out. Uh, we've seen a lot of people moving to say, for example, Tipton County and Fayette County, uh, and then some people just leaving the, the state altogether. And of course, DeSoto County, where I grew up as a child, right across the state line. Gentlemen, back in the 1970s, there were about 10 or 15,000 people that lived in that area, now almost a quarter of a million people, and most of them are moving from the Memphis area just wow. to escape the crime. So it is a it is a devastating problem in a beautiful city. Uh, there is so much rich history mm-hmm. here. Um, you know, looking at you know just our music, um, but the museums and the zoos and the philanthropic uh, you know organizations here more per capita than any other place in America. And yet, all of that is overshadowed by the the, the violent crime that we have on the streets of Memphis. Todd, can you? F- I think at least half of our audience probably knows about what's been going on. But can you, before we get into more analysis and what, what's happening, what can be done and what should be done to stop this, can you kind of detail or, or, or go down a list of just what's happened in the past week to 10 days in Memphis, the events? The, it seems like every day we have a new major crime or criminal activity in Memphis that hits the major media. It's it's horrible. And over the weekend was really they called it a wilding weekend where you had a gang of about 40 kids that were going out and they were doing the smash and grab robberies at locally owned convenience stores, taking everything. And the videos are just uh, unreal, uh, taking everything that wasn't bolted down, holding uh, store clerks um, at gunpoint, AR-15s pointed at their heads um, at one point. There was a, a FedEx truck, and they literally mm-hmm. blocked off traffic. I mean, this was happening on a major roadway. They block off traffic with the Dodge Chargers, and they jump out, and they rob the FedEx driver. They cut the bolts uh, and the locks on the back, and they're hauling out TVs and whatever they could find, these big boxes and packages. What, then uh, there was an incident, and this happens on a pretty regular basis here in Memphis, they literally were driving the wrong way on Interstate 240, shutting down traffic so they could do donuts and street races in the middle of the interstate. And and the challenge here, guys, is that the police, and, and there are other videos where you see them doing this literally in front of police officers, but the police officers have been told to stand down because they're not allowed to intervene or do pretextual stops uh, because of, of concern that that might be racist 
or they might they might target a specific demographic. So as a result of that, we have a lawless city right now, uh, and and that's just an example of the weekend. This morning, a nine year old little girl was shot, and somebody dumped her body off. Dumped her body off at a local fire station. Oh and guys, as as I was wrapping up my national so somebody sent me a text message. We had a guy. Uh, Julio Hernandez is his name, and he was arrested for for killing a University of Memphis co-ed, running her over. The guy had no driver's license. We're trying to find out if he's an illegal, but it really doesn't matter because they just said his bond. Guys, the bond for killing a young woman here in Memphis, Tennessee, a hundred bucks. Mercy. It's outrageous. And then one more to add to that list, which we saw from your tweets and in the media it was the doctor who was gunned down in front of his family uh, in right down right a park right downtown or Memphis a, or a, or someone who works at the St. Jude Hospital right? right he was gunned down in front of his family is that right at his home yeah 32 years old uh the guy is a, a postdoctoral student uh originally from Russia and came to America to study medicine he and his wife had just relocated a, a few months ago to Memphis uh, she was about to start her job at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. That's where he worked. And they were out for a nightly stroll in a very wealthy area of downtown Memphis. And uh, they were heading, they were right across from Tom Lee Park along the riverbank. And uh, some guy, came, a, a guy and a, a gal came up and uh, they robbed him. They pointed the gun at his wife, and that's when he intervened, uh, and they shot him dead, and he literally bled out in front of his wife and two-year-old daughter right there on the streets. What You, you mentioned a minute ago this, this idea of, like, you know, pre-contextual, and, and you know, they, they're, they're concerned to make an arrest or get involved because of this racism issue. I mean, so sort of a, a twofold question. One— as you see it, do you think that is is that part of the root of what is that actually why police are standing down? And in your personal experience, how long has this? I mean, Memphis has been has had crime issues for a long time, but but how long are we looking at where it's gotten this bad? How how long has this train been on the track? This has been going on for I would say about the past decade, and. You know, guys, Memphis has been controlled by Democrats for generations, mm -hmm. generations. And, you know, it's funny when I moved back here, people were complaining about, oh, you know, this is racism. And I'm sitting here going, OK, just about every major office in this county and city is controlled by a black person. So I'm having a hard time understanding how race <laughs> factors to all of us. Um, you know, one of the things that that we had going for us was we did have a Republican district attorney. She was the only elected um, Republican in a high office in the Memphis area. Um, and she was good. I mean, but again, she did not punish. She didn't go after the um, the nuisance crimes. Right. And that's a problem. You know, Rudy Giuliani knew that back in the 1980s when he got elected mayor. That's the first thing he went after. And guess what happened? Crime rate dropped to next to nothing. And they are able to clean up that city because the nuisance crimes become bigger crimes. Right. You nip it in the bud. And so we had a district attorney, and her name is Amy Wyrick, and a good person, and and I, th I think she did a good job. But the problem was they framed the race, the most recent DA's race, as a as a as a racial issue. Yep, I'm familiar. Was, yep. 
ice. But the problem was, and I, I talked to the campaign about this, guys. Uh, the problem is that she didn't fire back by pointing out that most of the victims that she was representing were black. They missed the opportunity. And now we have a radically progressive George Soros style mm-hmm. district attorney by the name of Steve Mulroy. And he is not soft on crime. He is pro-crime. And that's what we're framing every one of these Democrats as not soft on crime. They are pro-criminal. Yeah, Mulroy even, uh, you know, as you probably know, refused to enforce the the new law passed by the state legislature in terms of uh, the sexually explicit shows in front of minors. Mulroy not only was party to a, to a lawsuit because he's the DA, but but he he publicly stated that he he refused to enforce that law. Of course, the law's currently um, enjoined, but it's it's before the Sixth Circuit, and we expect the law to be upheld. But yeah, he's I mean on on so many levels, um, he's be, beyond crime. Consider any issue that a conservative would fight for, he refuses to enforce that in Shelby County. That's unfortunate. I, I also heard. Um, <laughs> Representative Antonio Parkinson out of Shelby County. He made a, a tweet yesterday or day before, you know, he because someone mentioned we need to bring the National Guard. The state needs to bring the guard into Shelby County. We need help. And Parkinson's response on Twitter is, well, that would be a really bad look on Memphis. We shouldn't do that. I'm thinking, really? You think the National Guard is going to be a bad look so on it's, Memphis? It's interesting you say that, Gary, because just today the – and I'm, I'm reading from an article from OutKick. I just read before we began recording that the apparently the police chief of Memphis said, and I quote, I don't care if we have the entire United States Army here in the city of Memphis. If we continue to see the same individuals committing crimes, you know, arresting our way out of this isn't possible. <laughs> what what signal does that send to the criminal? If I'm a criminal, I'm I'm going to Memphis to commit my crimes because they're admitting that they can't control it, the law enforcement. So the solution is if the police aren't going to make the arrest and they're afraid to bring the army in because it'd be a bad look. It's a bad look. It's pretty incredible. Um I want to just a couple of quick statistics cuz before the show I'm looking at the the National Incident-Based Reporting System, the NIBRS, which is housed by the FBI, agencies across the country report their findings, and they they have reporting from the Memphis Police Department, Collierville, Germantown, uh, Millington, uh, the Shelby County Sheriff's Department, so they all report into this database. And a couple of quick things that I found interesting in the data. Point number one, in, in 2022, so this is 2022 data, the state of Tennessee has a 63% higher violent rate of crime than the national average. So national average is 380 violent crime incidents per 100,000 people. Tennessee's is 621. So we're 63% higher than the national average. But then I went, look, okay, well, what about within Tennessee? We'll get this. So we've got 95 counties in Tennessee, right? Shelby County, when you collectively look at Memphis police, all the suburban police departments and the county sheriff's department, that reporting in Shelby County accounts for 31 percent. Now, this is this is over five, a five year uh, or a four year period. I should say that four or five years, 2008 to um, 2022, four year period between 2018 and 2022, Shelby County accounts for 31 percent 
of all reported violent crime incidents in the state of Tennessee. So when you when you consider the fact that Tennessee is 63% higher nationally, almost a third of that violent crime is coming out of one of 95 counties in our state. That's an incredible statistic to me, which should, which should send an alarm bell to the state legislature. So one of the things I wanted to get into, Todd, I think you mentioned or I, I saw something reported somewhere that, that – or I think actually you said this on air, um, that you had had some conversations. You've, you've been petitioning for help from the state legislature, and so far the answer you've gotten is, well, there's nothing we can do. Can yeah. we just dial that out a little bit? And we have been reaching out and, and you know talking to our elected leaders. And I have to give props to Senator Brent Taylor, uh, who has done a phenomenal job. And he wrote a letter that's going viral asking the, the governor to intervene. And, and again, the challenge, for example, though, with the National Guard is that the National Guard is not equipped to deal with the the massive land size that is Memphis, we are incredibly spread out. So you're talking about, you'd have to have every National Guard member in the state here in Memphis. And to the point of the the police chief, C.J. Davis, uh, here was someone who was fired from the Memphis police or the Atlanta uh, Police Department. Uh, She was running things in Winston-Salem, and I think they were looking for a diversity hire. And the mayor got one. He was looking for a Mm -hmm. female police. And she is clearly in over her head, guys, uh, which is, you know, again, we've got about five or 600 police officers down from our full complement. So the question is, what can the state do? I know that um, someone close to the governor asked me to send videos of some of the weekend violence. So we know the governor has all of this in front of his eyes. And when you see it and you've seen the videos, guys, this is fine. But this is this is a regular occurrence in our city. So at some point, we're and I think people now are asking if the state will not intervene, if the state cannot do anything here, if they can't remove our district attorney who's refusing to go after these criminals, that where do we go and who do we turn to for for help? I mean, you heard this the the police chief that those comments were made during a Rotary Club meeting. I mean, they're not even holding press conferences, guys. Over the weekend, not a single press conference, you know, reassuring the people that, hey, things are going to be OK. We we hear nothing from City Hall, nothing from the police department. And now, aside from Senator Taylor, we're not hearing anything from the state capitol even. Go back to what you said about removing the DA, because we know that Ron DeSantis has removed Soros DAs in the state of Florida. Is our law different in Tennessee that we can't? Or is it just a matter of the governor not having the courage to do it? Well, no, I'm I'm not sure. And and again, there is going to, you know, with Memphis, everything is about race. And people need to understand that everything is about race. Even if it's not, it's going to be about race. And we you guys, I think you guys got a taste of that with the whole Tennessee three situation. Mm-hmm. And one of those guys is is one of our state reps, uh, Pearson. Pearson. So, so, so that's that is a factor, and I think based on what happened in that whole debacle with the Tennessee Three, I think the entire legislature is a little gun shy to deal with things. But the other issue is it's the subjective nature of punishing and the charges that the DA brings. So a lot of that is subjective, and the question that I've heard 
from some lawmakers who are sympathetic to what's happening here. They don't believe that they would be able to remove him from office just yet. They don't think what, what he has done, his, they don't believe his behavior has been egregious enough to warrant removing him from office just yet. Yeah, and that's and that's where the sticking point gets. So the way that works in Tennessee, we actually do have law that addresses that. It's in Title Eight uh, of our code, and it's called uh, an ouster. And so there's the ability for an ouster lawsuit. The trick is, is it has to be done by the court. It's not a legislative function. So the the two ways this can happen is the attorney general himself can initiate an ouster proceeding in the court when there's knowledge that. Not just the district attorney. This this actually is regarding any elected official within the state of Tennessee uh, is either you know gross misconduct or uh, neglecting to fulfill their their duties of office. And um, but secondly, there's a portion of that code that gives power to the governor if the governor has direct knowledge of such misconduct, he can personally, as the governor, direct the DA to initiate ouster proceedings in the court. Unfortunately, though, I think the challenge is these are proceedings that would be happening within the Shelby County court system. So you've gotcha. got so you may have some folks from on high willing to come in and address some of these issues in terms of, let's just say, the D.A. for right now. But that still has to go with your local courts, which we all know is challenging. The other thing I would say to the state still has some um, some power here, just just so that everybody's clear, because we always talk about. Well, everything's local, you know, all politics is local. And while there's some truth to that, you have to go to our state constitution to understand who really holds the keys to fix all of these things. There are very few. Of course, our constitution was initially drafted in 1796. We're currently operating on the third iteration, which is was from 1870. There are very few counties that are defined constitutionally. I mean, most of those are out in East Tennessee, kind of the kind of the old counties, right? Mm-hmm. Are are actually defined by the Constitution. Every other county within the state of Tennessee, and not only the county itself, but also um, every position in the county, the county commission, all of those things are given authority and defined by our state legislature. And I I say all that to say. The, the simple premise is, is that it's not as if Shelby County is some autonomous body that we should just ignore because, wow, well, it's just Shelby County. They're going to do what they're going to do. No, constitutionally, actually, they are a subject of the state. Shelby County only exists because the state mm-hmm. legislature says it can exist and has given it the authority to do so. So wh- whenever... I hear anything about the legislature or the governor's office that says, oh, we just can't, and they fail to act. Really, at the end of the day, what what I lean to is that it's really men that lack the courage and the mortal fortitude mm-hmm. to act. Absolutely. Because I, I would have to imagine, with the, with the Constitution being drafted in such a way, there's a lot that, that the state could bring to bear upon Shelby County— even even if at the even if at first it's just a a bunch of line item threats like here are the things that you need to fix before we come in and fix it for mm-hmm. you but but all that to say constitutionally our legislature 100% absolutely has the authority to bring pressure upon upon the county and again per title 8 through the courts 
um, there is ample opportunity to put pressure on on not just the DA, but any locally elected official. So I, I would just, you know, someone in middle Tennessee outside looking in, I, I think it's way past time for the legislature to get as creative as they can to putting the kind of pressure necessary on leaders in Shelby County to fix these issues. Because the the statement, there's nothing we can do, that's just not good enough. Todd, what about, I keep hearing, and I don't have evidence on my fingertips to support this, but it makes sense. The old adage is weakness is provocative, right? So I've been hearing that because Memphis has become this place where criminals can operate freely without any kind of punishment, accountability, if they are arrested, they're arrested and released. Tell us about what you know of international crime and and the drug cartels that are coming up through the southern border and whether they're not making Memphis also a home base? Well, I, I think that's a fair that that's a fair question. And when you look at the major interstates, we have I-40, the I-40 corridor coming through here, and also the I-55. So we have not only east-west, we have north-south interstates. Yep. And that's that's a big, big problem. But guys, when you when you look at the importance of Memphis, not just for the Mid-South and not just for Tennessee, but nationally, we are the one place where the five railroads come together. We have the FedEx and the you know Memphis International Airport, a major air hub. Then you have the Port of Memphis, one of the largest and busiest uh, ports uh, in the country. Um, this is it is dangerous for our elected leaders to ignore what's happening here. And look, uh, one of the big problems, you know, and, and one of the big fears is that our delegation to Nashville with Mr. Pearson as a part of it is alienating uh, a lot of uh, people who might be willing to help us. And uh, that's a big concern as, as well. And by the way, he may be running for for, for Congress uh, going up against uh, Steve Cohen. Cohen. So. We can have even bigger problems here. But the, the issue here, guys, is just imagine we all we've all seen AOC and the squad mm-hmm. in Washington. That's what we have on our city council right now. That's who's running the, the, the show, uh, along with the radical activist uh, here in uh, here in the Memphis area. They literally control everything. And I would throw out this warning and caution any of our legislators who say, that nothing can be done, that if they think that the crime is going to be contained to the city of of Memphis, they are unfortunately mistaken. About a year and a half ago, two years ago, there was a, a number of uh, car thieves who were in Spring Hill stealing cars and running them back and forth between Memphis, and it was the sheriffs who were catching them on 840. That crime is spilling over because not only do you have... Uh, I-40 and 55 in Memphis, but then you have a very easy way for them to get from 40 through 840 over to 65 and over to 24 and, and of course, again, over to 40. That crime isn't going to isn't going to stay within the geographic boundaries of Shelby County. We already know of the dangers in Jackson. Jackson has a high per capita crime rate from a lot of the crime that spills over from Memphis. People in Williamson County are going to start facing these problems on their doorsteps if they don't contain it in Memphis. Isn't that right? And and not only that, we've already seen that happen uh, where 
places like Germantown, and they've got a, a very large and very good police department and police force. Uh, we have seen the violence uh, spread out there, also into Collierville. Um, it's going up into the Lakeland, you know, that I-40 corridor. Uh, and we're also seeing it happening in DeSoto County. But DeSoto County just elected a tough on crime. We're talking about DeSoto County, Mississippi, a tough on crime uh, Republican as their sheriff. So um, we're starting to see some of the, you know, some of the outlying areas realize, hey, wait a second, this is not being contained. And this is going to spread out. The, the thugs are not stupid. Uh, mm -hmm. They know they know where the money is. And so we're starting to see a lot of these crimes in the suburbs now. Yeah, that's that's been my concern, Todd, is the spillover. It doesn't take but a couple of hours to get from Memphis to Williamson County. And you talk about money. Uh, Williamson County has always been a source of money. And there's been drug running through Williamson County for years. And now with this kind of a free-for-all in Memphis, I, I it just bothers me so much that our legislators, our, our governor, the, the, anybody who's been elected to protect our to protect our liberties, right? That's that's the principal role of government is to secure our liberties. And yet in the most fundamental aspect of their job, they are failing. And it puts me and my family at risk. Do we have to wait until the uh, somebody important is the um, the victim of a crime, right? Whether it's a murder or or a robbery. Why is why does it always have to come to that? The common ordinary people, you and I, the citizens, Crime happens against us, and it doesn't matter. Then finally it happens to one of them, and then they take it seriously. Why does it have to get to that level before we do something about it? I found um, Senator Brent Taylor's letter that you mentioned to Bill Lee, and yeah, he's he's calling for um, an, an immediate um, increase in the presence from Tennessee Highway Patrol uh, to address some of these things happening on the streets and just have a, a greater police presence in the city, but also... Um, I'll I'll be interested to discuss this with him. I hope I hope we can support these efforts. He's he's mentioning bringing a greater level of accountability to local prosecutors and the judiciary, uh, and having that conversation in the legislature in this upcoming session. So um, yeah, I'll be interested to to hear his ideas. I mean, again, because it's not that you want to start messing with elections. You have to be careful. However. Again, all of these things are created and defined by the legislature. The, the legislature constitutionally has tools in its toolkit that it can use either to give greater accountability from the state over these prosecutors that aren't doing their job or to give a greater to give another lever of accountability to the people when the judiciary and uh, local DAs are not protecting those citizens. So um, thanks for bringing that to my attention. I didn't know he had made a statement on that. He's a good guy um, and uh, owned um, his career was owning funeral homes uh, out in the Collierville area and um, sold all of those, got into politics. He's a first term state senator. Right. And he's a really solid job representing the, the people here. We're, we're big fans of his. That's good to hear. Todd, in, in, in just in our, in our final moments, I mean, I've been to Memphis several times. In fact, there's a strong group of conservatives that that I'm very close with to Memphis. In, in fact, you were, um, I, I kind of forgot about this, uh, maybe over two years ago, I spoke at a, a gathering of the uh, conservative women of Collierville, and uh, you ended up showing up <laughs> that evening uh, while I was there. So that was neat to see. But also, you know, this last year, I ran for state Senate 
uh, here in Williamson County came came really close to a win. But but I had a group of people in Memphis, uh, in Collierville, actually um, held a fundraiser for me. You know, so here I am running for state senate in Williamson County, and I have folks in Shelby County that are holding fundraisers. You know, for me in state senate. Now all that to say. There are really incredible, strong conservatives, strong uh, people that have a, a strong biblical worldview that really care about the state and love Memphis. In fact, some I, one I, that I personally know really well, we talk about every week, I've asked her several times, why are you not moving? She says, this is my home, you know, and and I that that's the sentiment I get from a lot of people that live in Memphis is that I think there are a lot of conservatives, they aren't willing to abandon their city. They aren't willing to give up and just move away, even though it feels like they've already lost the battle. So I, I have a I have a heart for Memphis. I, I think the rest of Tennessee needs to a little bit, needs needs to up their game a little bit in mm-hmm. terms of, of how we view Shelby County. But just in these final moments, just want to hear make I mean want to hear your sentiment and what you would maybe like to see the legislature do or, 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 and you said some of this earlier, but how Memphis is important to the state. What, what are some things we can do to address this? Because I, I just, I hope we don't come into this next legislative session and that Memphis just doesn't make the list. As, as we come into 2024, it has to make the list. Uh, there's of, of legislative priorities. We we cannot continue to shirk our obligation to Shelby County and watch it continue to go to go downhill. What say you? You know, it's it's a great town and and I love it. You know, I was born and raised here, born at the old Baptist Hospital in uh in, in Midtown. And um this is this is where home is for me. And everything I learned, everything we talk about on the radio, you know, the values that I grew up, that that all came from Memphis and, and North Mississippi. And and it, and it, it's sad to see what's happened to this town. You know, we looked at you look at what's happening in Nashville with that big football stadium that's what 20 years old. They're gonna tear it down and build a brand new one. We're still we're still working out of the one that was built back in the 1960s. So Memphis, I don't think, is asking for too much. Uh, but Memphis is important uh, on so many different levels. One of the things that we've really had a challenge with, I, I remember uh, when they asked me to speak to the local Republicans, Gary, and and I go up there and I, and I speak and just fine, fine, wonderful people. But I looked out over the crowd and it was about 98% white. And I'm like, well, wait a second. We live in a supermajority black town. Where are, where are the black Republicans? Mm. Are the black middle class business owners, and you know, go to places like White Haven, um, which is one of the most uh, affluent black communities, and they've been hit hard by the crime. You know what? You know, are we going to get out into those communities and and work together side by side? And really, if we're going to change what's happening here, it has to be all of us working together. And we need a Republican Party that's on a wartime footing. You know, we have got to save our city, and it is. It is going to take almost a smash mouth approach to politics uh, for us to really get through and I think truly make a difference. But but I think by and large, when you look at our community, by and large, it's a very conservative, you know, from a, a social 
background, morality. It's a socially conservative community. So I think the Republicans especially need to do a much better job of getting that message out there, but also understanding it's not an us versus them. We are all in this together and we have got to, we have got to stand together. And if we don't, the city's going to fall apart. So I really appreciate the great work you guys are doing at Tennessee Stands. Um, you're right. We have some incredibly strong conservative people here. Moms for Liberty chapter in Shelby County is just crushing it. The Collier, the conservative women of Collierville, you know, those groups coming together, I think we are going to be able to, to make a difference. Well, thanks so much for taking, uh, I know, very valuable time, and we do appreciate it, Todd. Thanks for being with us this week, and we wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Thanks, Todd, for coming on the show, and thanks for holding it down there in Memphis. And uh, again, uh, I'm I'm with you on hoping that this year is a year that we uh, we can give Memphis a lot of attention yes. in this legislative session because it needs it. And uh, we let's save Memphis here in Tennessee. It's it's a it's a huge part of our culture here, and we should we should care about that. So, thanks, my friend, for coming on. We appreciate you. Absolutely. And guys, let's get real. Without Memphis, you don't have dry rub barbecue. And Memphis, Nashville's got a lot of things. <laughs> you Barbie. ain't you ain't kidding. We have we have no competition here for what's happening on that front. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Todd. Blessings. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. <laughs>